Uh, I'm very excited to welcome you today. I'm Trisha Davis-Muffet. I lead global public sector marketing for AWS. And um, we're super excited to have five fantastic women working in technology today, executive women here with us to share their experiences. Um, before we do that, though, I just want to tell you a few things about WePowerTech. So WePowerTech is our program at AWS that is really intended to expand opportunity and to support and encourage all of those from underrepresented communities within technology, women, underrepresented minorities, um, people with disabilities, is all those who have been underrepresented in technology and try to really lead the way and build a better path forward. So thank you for being here and I encourage you to look through the program for the rest of the sessions that we're having at reInvent. We're excited to have you with us and also please join us for the happy hour that we'll be having tomorrow evening at the ARIA from four to six, four to six, four to six. Six to eight, sorry, six to eight. Um, and then also, please uh, take a look at, um, in the Builders Fair tomorrow and the next day, um, one of our technologists um, is from the 360 Fashion Network who has an AWS IoT-enabled jacket and is looking for feedback from the community. So uh, it would be very cool to go visit that and take a look at it and uh, provide feedback. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Teresa Carlson, our Vice President of Worldwide Public Sector, who really is the patron saint of the WePowerTech program here. All right, welcome, Teresa. Before I get going, there you hi. Hey, everybody. Hi, how are you? So was it hard to get over here? Was it okay? Is it like crazy getting between these sessions? A little bit, I know it is. It's grown so much. But I will tell you, this is one group I'm happy is growing. This is a group we want to grow. And, you know, I, I really, I want to see it overflowing. It's really, we need to get to the point it's kind of overflowing. Every year we have more. I did have Amanda, who works for me, tell me that one of the good news stories is she actually had to wait in line for the ladies' restroom today. <laughs> so we are making progress. Yes! So excited about that. I used to go, bye guys, though. I would just walk through and then I was like, this is not good. We need to be able to, we need, we want a big line at the ladies' restroom. So, so welcome again and welcome to the We Power Tech Lightning Talks uh, with Executive Women in Tech. And like Tricia said, uh, I'll, I'll go back to go forward. Um, a long time ago, now it feels like when we started reInvent, which is, I guess, this is our seventh year. We said, okay, we've got to have a program uh, with women. And so we had a panel discussion. And for a couple years, we just had like a panel discussion. We had a little room, we had a luncheon, and it was overflowing. We had a lot more women and men come than we had room. And over the years, we've kind of evolved. And we, we tried a couple of iterations in about, I guess it's been two years we launched, or about a year ago now, we launched We Power Tech. And like Tricia said, it's about inclusion, diversity, really trying to get an environment uh, within the technology companies that has a more diverse, uh, more um, kind of culture of openness so that we really can build on the skills of women, uh, empowering the, work, the workplace. So thank you all again for uh, being part of this. Um, I'm going to just, I'm going to, my, my presentation is really short, and I'm going to kind of uh, go into, I've got a few slides here for you, but I'm going to just give you my kind of personal story along with this as we go into it. 
Um, and, and this is really based on uh, new, some of the stuff I'm going to share is based on new findings from the McKinsey and Company um, Lean In latest report. Have any of you read that? Have, have you read that? If you haven't, I encourage you to go online. You can download the report and read it. It has some really, it has some really interesting findings. Some things I don't, you know, I don't personally, it's not my experience, and I'll share that. Other things I completely relate to. Um, but kind of some of the statistics that you'll see is uh, women in the workforce, only 25%, which seems crazy, especially for those who are at home with their children. I bet they would too. I'm in the workforce every day. Um, women in technical roles, 40%, not where we want it, but better. It's improving, which is good. Uh, and women in senior, senior roles, 40%, uh, better, but not where we want it to be. So now this one is where I kind of had to uh, pause for a minute because this is one of the things that they talk about in the report, which is a little bit of the topic will be about women uh, as onlys and, as a worst experience. And one of the statistics was 1.5x more women are more likely to leave a job when they're kind of the only and they feel like their skills are challenged and they get, there's a lot of negatives. But I'm going to kind of share with you my experience here. Um, for many years, I, there's times I, I was the only, still an only a lot. Uh, I go to the Middle East, sometimes I am the only female in the room. But I've actually have not, I've actually used that as an opportunity to try to expand what I do and bringing more women into the environment. So I would kind of challenge you, instead of looking at this and saying, yeah, it's all bad and these things are not good, I would kind of challenge you in this group to look at this as an opportunity. Uh, number one, if you are the only individual in your small group or at the table, or you need to look at it as how do you drive change based on that. And I've never seen it as, you know, I, I'm kind of like, okay, if I'm the only female here, I will make sure that my voice is being heard and that I do have a key voice and I'm smart and data-driven in what I'm saying and I'm talking about. And I'll make sure that uh, individuals understand I'm an equal in the room. So I think just kind of taking this and, and saying, how do I kind of turn it into an opportunity to drive change, is what I would say. Because it's very easy to take a negative route on these things, believe me. But we are driving change just by you all being here, we're driving change. And we've got to work as a team, as a group, uh, to, to, to drive more change. Now, here's the one thing that personally I've noticed. So as an only, uh, what, what do we do? Well, I would say this says stay at the table which 81% of the women intend to stay in the workforce. But even let's kind of go deeper on this. I would say when you get a seat at the table, definitely stay. But when you get a seat, make sure that you have a voice when you're there. Because just getting a seat is not enough. It's really having a voice when you get there to make impact and drive change and be heard. And there's things that you can absolutely do uh, when you're there with a seat at the table. Now, there's, there's a couple of stats within this report that I thought were pretty interesting. Um, and that basically says, which we, we kind of knew this, but you're already doing a good job, is what the report says. You're already doing a good job because 
despite common misperceptions on this, women and men are actually leaving companies at a very similar rate. So it's not like women are leaving now faster or more often than men. Last year, 15% of men and women surveyed left the company where they work. So 15%, same amount. And of 82% of, of, there was, of, of the rest, 82% of men intended to stay in the workforce and 81% of women intended to stay in the workforce. Now, why is that important? They weren't looking to just leave the job because of a family situation or having children. So the point is that's kind of changing. Women are saying, you know, I'm going to stay in the workforce and I'm going to figure a way to make this work in this environment. So I think that's really important. So again, in fact, just 2% of women leave a job now based on this as a result of family, but compared to 0% of men that said that in the survey that said this. So I think that's a really, I mean, it's an important statistic that actually there is kind of change in the women and the work environment and what's going on. Um, now, this is where we can do better, and the men can actually help us do a lot better here, which is connecting with each other and staying connected. I have a really good friend in the room, Tammy Longeberger, and she has been my connectedness for a long time. I talk to her, she, I share, I get feedback. She's been a female executive, and it's important you have individuals in your life that you can connect with. And you can really have opportunities. I have men in my life that I also connect with. But women, it's important for us to create these opportunities. And when we create them, it's also important to take feedback from each other and then look for the ability to drive change based on that. Because, again, I would say getting together and just complaining is not where you want to be. Like getting together and complaining about things, don't, they, it, doesn't solve, uh, it doesn't solve the problem. It just creates more. So when you, when, you ha when you connect, and when I shared earlier, get a seat at the table. And when you're at that table, whether, you are, whether you're an only or not, you still need to find an ally at that table you can connect with. And it's important that you say, as an example, when you're in a meeting and you, you may be the only female at the table, you still need to connect with the male counterpart and say, you know, here's what I'm going to present today or here's my idea. What do you think about this? Can you help amplify my voice in this room? Can you help give me feedback? So you need to find allies. And in fact, I'll offer a couple of things that we've done in my organization. One is started We Power Tech. For, to help scale across AWS and around the world. But we just started a new program this year with our HR team called Amplify. And we did Amplify because data tells you a lot. And if you don't understand your data, you can't really drive change. I mean, we can talk a lot, but you really have to investigate and understand in your organization what's actually happening. So Michelle, who runs my HR, is somewhere here too, there. So Michelle and I started diving deep into our data. And we found a couple of stats that we weren't happy about. Uh, I track how many women I have, how much diversity I have. But, you know, uh, it doesn't make it any easier because you still are like, what are we doing wrong? How do we need to change these things? What are the programs we need to drive? But we didn't like the fact that we we're seeing some diversity movement in the organization that we didn't like. So we kind of stepped back and said, what do we think we can do about it? So we just launched this new program. So I don't have data 
yet to give you, but next year hopefully I can give you more data. It's called Amplify. And Amplify is a program where all of our managers nominate individuals across the organization uh, with any type, I mean, diverse backgrounds of any type, gender diversity, uh, female leaders. We also look at military as a diversity group because what we find is military actually coming in new struggle with making it sometimes in the environment without having some coaching. They've been in, in a completely different environment all of a sudden then we drop them in. Even I find government, new government employees that have been in government and you drop them into commercial company and you're like, oh my gosh, they don't, like, they don't know how to adapt. So Amplify is you nominate someone, then our HR team goes to those individuals and says, you've been nominated for our Amplify program. Would you like to participate? It's not, we, we don't want to force people, but we're like, and they're like, okay, well, what's Amplify? Well, it is where you are paired up with a senior leader and they help amplify your voice. So they take you into all kinds of situations to teach and train. You get to ask them all kinds of questions. You, we, you're put in business meetings and situations. And the point is you learn about a diverse set of opportunities from a business leader uh, that you might never get or a technical leader. So that's what Amplify is. But the goal is, you know, like I said, we just got it started. We're going to have our first cohort here uh, starting up shortly. And we'll be tracking it, so I'll tell you, but that's kind of a program we're trying to do because I don't want to lose the great staff I get, and I want to understand why would they leave the organization. And what we have kind of heard is sometimes you do feel like you're an only, and we don't want those onlys feeling like they're not supported in what they're trying to do. So we got to create those day-to-day -day opportunities for women and um, uh, our different populations that we have in general across the organization so that they feel like we're being inclusive. Um, the other thing is kind of making sure that we are looking at fair hiring and promotion practices. You know, you have to be so uh, careful and conscious of having unconscious bias. I mean, we see that. If you look at the report, um, and here's some of the statistics, uh, for hiring and promotion, for every 100 men promoted to managers, 79 women are promoted to managers. So that's a statistic we don't like. We need, we need kind of more parity there. And I find in general when you're talking about management, we all need training in management. I know at AWS and Amazon we have a very different model. So for people to become a manager, it's not enough to have been a manager. You actually need to be trained in how we, what the expectations are at Amazon for a manager, which can be very different. Um, but, you know, there's lots of tools you can use. And what we try to do also, again, tracking data makes a, makes a really big difference. But using tools such as blind resume reviews to reduce bias. And I'll tell you, I meet, whenever I go around the world, I meet with the women in my organization and the whoever wants to meet from Amazon. And one of the things I learned from the women was, I said, you know, what, why aren't you applying for this job or that job? And I heard from them that they said, well, that resume sounds like it's for a man. I was like, oh, really? And I mean, I learned things from the women that I didn't even have insights to, like they felt like a job description that would say, come be a ninja. Well, okay, some women want to be a ninja. That's okay. But in general, they felt like that sounded like that was for a man. And so we kind of started doing some th things, which was, you know, these are kind of easy fixes, like scrub your, scrub your job descriptions. Do they sound kind of gender neutral? 
uh, encourage the individuals in your org to take on new opportunities. Because the other thing you'll find with women, this is very true, they will read a, they will read a job description and they'll say, this does not fit. I, can't do, I can do 85%, maybe 90% of this, but I don't know how to do this 10%. I can't apply for this job. Absolutely, you should apply for that job. You should apply for that job even if you have 20% of the skills. Because if you believe and in your gut, in your heart, you know you can do that job and you have a passion for it, there's no reason you shouldn't interview for that job. Even if you don't get the job, it's the opportunity to go do it and create and understand and learn from it. But I find most of the time, women can do the jobs that they don't apply for. But men will say... I can do 30%. Of course I'm going to do that job. I'm applying for that job. So we kind of have the same mentality of we can do it and not be afraid to kind of take on uh, these things. And for the male managers in the room, you know, it's really about you encouraging and helping in both, in both sets, like encouraging each other to try these new things. Um, probably over my time now, but there's so many things I'd kind of like to share and tell you about. But the one thing I just kind of want to end with is we can make a difference. I mean, we can make a difference. In this room, we can make a difference uh, by supporting each other, sharing our ideas, looking for solutions, not all the problems, and bringing the data forward. And now, with all that being said, there's got to be mechanisms in place. Because Jeff Bezos, if you ever read, he'll say, good intentions are great, but they don't get you anywhere. It are, it's mechanisms that actually drive to results. So you have to have mechanisms. You have to have mechanisms for yourself. You have to have mechanisms for your small group and for your organization. And for all the men and women in the room, I would share, it is important to have a dialogue, to have like the healthy dialogue. And if you feel like within your small group organization, you have things like unconscious bias or you have areas of improvement, you should just share and talk about those openly. Uh, and then come to the table with some kind of oppor opportunities to change those things. So one of our mechanisms is this. We have, we partake, we have, like I said, one of mine, is our new program that we just started. And, but there's many, many other things. And just at my public sector breakfast this morning, we kind of announced an opportunity for all the companies we work with to come together on Close the Gap and like put our thought leadership together because I bet we're all kind of, when I talk to my peers, they're doing amazing programs, we're doing programs, but we've not kind of collectively put our heads and our resources together. So we're gonna now to kind of try a new approach so hopefully we'll see, when we see next year, we'll even have some new things that we can talk about we're doing. But your feedback is really important. If you see things that are really working, we would love for you to share those experiences with us. But again, I'm so excited to see you here. And we have tons of other women. I'm looking at this. This was from our very first, um, uh, we did a panel discussion. So I saw this, I was like, oh, this is from the very first time that we did our panel discussion. So good memories, but we need to have a lot more of these things happening. So thank you guys so much. Enjoy reInvent, and I look forward to seeing you at Andy's keynote tomorrow. Thank you guys. You know, 
what I'd like to say one year. I want to show up here um, and go and get my swag. Did anyone go get swag yesterday at Expo? I want to go get my swag, and they're giving out earrings, right? <laughs> like the logo on your ear. Why haven't they thought of this, right? Like, and I want them to be compelled enough that there's so many women here that they're going to give you hyaluronic serum moisturizing <laughs> little packets because it's really dry here in the desert, <laughs> right? You know, my, uh, my journey to the clouds, smooth as silk, right? <laughs> Wrinkle-free. <laughs> Thank you. In 1988, I graduated from the first computer science class in my university in the Philippines. And I mean, who would know that 30 years later I'd be standing here at the largest cloud conference in the world. I'm so honored. Um, um, so my name is Angelique Faustino. I am the head of analytics platform technology at Refinitiv. Refinitiv is a brand new company that used to be the finance and risk division of Thomson Reuters. And my teams, um, I'm, my engineering teams, I've always been an engineer or an engineering manager. My engineering teams operationalize models and algorithms to produce analytics as a service for the global financial markets. And today what I want to talk to you about is how I've changed the way I lead. In my 30-year career, I've had to reinvent myself more than a few times. I've been leading for about 12 years now, but I found that a few years ago, I just wasn't getting the same results. Now, I blamed it on the millennials at first. <laughs> But then, not only did I end up reinventing myself, taking action to reinvent myself, I found that actually I wanted to be led the same way millennials want to be led, right? Oops. There, I was supposed to be on that one. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, definitive. Okay. So, so you know, in order to, to do that, I read a lot. And that habit stayed with me so for years. I've been reading tons about leadership research. And I just want to share a few key themes with you, right? So technological advancement, right, AI, machine learning, is compelling leaders to focus on innately human skills, right? So these two big research bodies of research here from Emphasis and the World Economic Forum earlier this year has said that we need to be more human to lead in the future, right? And even brain scanning and neuroscience is confirming what psychologists have long told us about how we respond to leadership and about how we learn. And then Google, champion of leadership research, right, in the technical world, they found that the biggest differentiator of a high-performing team is not a strong leader, it's not a strong business process. It's actually psychological safety. Teams feeling safe, right? To share their ideas and take risks. They have metrics. So, okay, since I only have a few minutes, I want to share with you a summary and, and a synthesis of everything I've learned over the few years. <laughs> How about leadership research? You know, just a few minutes. Okay, so, oh no, 
Can you see? Oh dear. Um, there's supposed to be white text in those black blocks. Oh well, you know what? It's gonna be on SlideShare, and then you can see, and then you know maybe it's a homework or something. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, here's here's some here are some attributes right that describe a leader most of the time. Super familiar. Here is some attributes that describe a transformative or a more human leader. If you look at those adjectives, the missing ones aside, they're almost the opposite of each other, right? Why, right? Like you see these words, trust, motivation, distribution of leadership, right? But let me, don't get me wrong, it's not just about emotional intelligence or getting the most out of our people, right? It's also, it's also about being open to new ideas and new experiences, being engaged and attuned to your surrounding environment, making the connections that the machine can't make for you. So it's actually the, the agility, the, the creativity, and, and the, the resilience that is wired into our human DNA that is gonna make the difference for our organizations in a time of constant and disruptive change. It's who we are as human beings. It's amazing, right? So I have a hypothesis. The research is all gender neutral. It's also generational neutral. But I believe women will thrive in this sort of environment. Now think about this. We are inexorably on this journey towards technological advancement. Leadership is going to be different. There's a virtuous cycle, is my other hypothesis, that companies that take deliberate steps, i.e. mechanisms, right, like Teresa said. Companies that lead the edge on this type of leadership and take steps to transform their culture will automatically become more diverse and they'll also be more competitive. Right? So maybe, Wait, let me, let me validate my hypothesis. Maybe I can do that right here. Who, I mean, I would want to work for a company like this, right? Who else would want to work for a company like this? Raise your hand if you want to work for a company like that. Okay, so maybe I'm onto something here. <laughs> okay, awesome. Um, so maybe instead of counting how many women we have in, in our leadership ranks, we can count the steps that we're taking, the mechanisms that we're taking towards transforming this kind of leadership and this kind of, uh, you know, this, this kind of transformation, our more human transformation in our leadership ranks, right? And, and you know, maybe um, in Amplify, right? <laughs> what Teresa said, maybe we can, we can promote the leaders who, who lead this way, right? Regardless of their sex or their, their, their gender, their, their, you know, their color. Um, and so I feel like there's just so much more to learn. Like I'm still learning all about this and I'm still trying to be this sort of leader more and more every day. I'm doing it myself. I try to make, make it happen in my team. And you know, maybe I can widen the sphere of influence. All of us can widen our sphere of influence and um, join me in a private LinkedIn group that I've created so that we can discuss this. Um, ideas, share your experience, 
Um, I want to know some examples of how people think that we can track this, right? What are some good ways of measuring this kind of leadership and, and getting there? Um, and see what success looks like in these organizations. Um, it's, it's private, so you know, we should be able to, to talk more freely. Um, it's, it's specifically about this, this you know, transformational leadership equals diversity kind of idea. So I hope you'll keep in touch with me. Um, my LinkedIn on LinkedIn, and I know that this number of the group isn't, isn't that readable, <laughs> but if you just connect with me and just say, hey, I want to join that group you talked about at reInvent, I'll be happy to add you. Um, thanks, and I hope to talk to you soon. go back a little bit, and uh, I think actually the other way around. Hello, I'm Siki from Accenture. We'll talk about Accenture um, in a little bit. What I want to do it is, I have only one slide, and I get there, is to come back to you. And as diverse as you are, but the you, you. And I'm gonna share my experience. I have done a lot in my life, I'm a lucky person, but the biggest progress that I did in becoming the leader I think I am, and I always believe I'm a leader, every morning I just step, step up and say I'm a leader, is to learn my strength and to build everything that you do in your strength. Because a lot of time, um, we as female don't, let me see if there, oh, here we are. I'm there. This is me, and this is my quote. Is we don't, we don't know our strength. So I am a very curious person. And sometimes to the point that I'm annoying. When people say something new, I ask why, and why, and why. And then people say, come on, girl, go and read a book about it. But it is a strength, because I'm always wanting to learn to the annoying point. I'm very passionate to the borderline of assertive, because I really love it. And, um, and I have become courageous. So I am not born in the United States. I came off a boat, actually it was a nice plane. And, uh, and uh, I just wanted, and I love technology. Even if I didn't study technology, if you look my LinkedIn, I actually major in civilizations at a French university in a paper. All our tests were on paper. At the time, and still they do it on paper. And when I came out, I went to finance and I hated it. I said, if you talk about millions every day, you cannot really have a passion about something. And I learned these things about technology and I started from the bottom, from the bottom, from the bottom, and people wanted me to go on sales. And I said, no, I want to run projects. And I build a courage. So my first giveaway for you is learn your strength. Just take a Gallup strength finder, you know, Marius Briggs, any test you want and learn your strength and build the courage on that strength. Because when you have that, after you've gone to the bathroom and cried your eyes out, you come out and say, I know my stuff and I know because of this strength. And everybody's got different strength and build on that. And on that lesson, I came to United States and you know, I was the first on many, 
but I decided I wanted to be a CEO. So I went out and I became a CEO of a, of a startup. We had a great idea. I was the first female CEO in three of my venture investments. One of them had a venture partner that was a female. That was pretty good. At least we had something to talk about. But it was pretty hard on that first. And, but I built it on the courage. Did I know how to do it? No. And then um, I learned how to partner with my, with my colleagues, male. I had a, a very uh, strong you know, chairman. And uh, he was successful CEO and everything. And I say, teach me how to be. And so the other things I learned is that you have to be passionate, but you have to have humble patient in it. And that's really sometimes what, what I see in my colleague female, that they lean on the patients and on the, okay, I can wait for this, but I can wait for that. And you shouldn't do that. You should actually build on the strength of your courage every single day. So I became a CEO, did a great exit, did another one. Then I said, yeah, I'm gonna go back to corporate. And I went to a consulting firm, CSC at the time, and um, they actually bought a lab out of Sequoia. We were going to build a company, um, a cloud company, very similar to Datapipe. And we built a business for, for cloud. For a nanosecond, we were on the same magic quadrant with Amazon, just for a nanosecond. But um, the beauty about that is I learned that this cloud technology that we have really is powering the world of the future, inspiring the generation that we have to serve, sell, and, um, and grow. So on that note, I'm going to ask you another personal thing. And this is the second thing. Every day, you have to find the courage to coach. And everybody wants to coach the guys next door. They wants to coach somebody that they know at the office. Do that. By the way, my limit on coaching is four. I tried to do five, and then I got crazy. So I just said four. But I have two that has to be young female of the age of 14. 14 because that's the age that the girls go, it's not cool to be in technology and they just, we lose them. And it takes a long time to come back. The important thing is to teach them that technology is not only coding, but you know there is a lot of other things that in the female mind, they can learn how to write, how to market, how to present, how to communicate. If we don't have that, technology will always stay in a server someplace in the middle of the desert. So please do that. Too young, go to the near school, get them and help them out. If they are underprivileged, you know, better for you. Your best joy will be when they go to college and you'll help it, you know, secure their college funding for what they're, they're going to do. So that's the, the third thing. Let's talk about Accenture. So after D2 corporate, I was lucky enough to take a year off. That's a precious thing. Actually, I had to consume a couple of non-competes. So I said, I'll take a year off 
I went to Thailand for a month. I learned how to yoga, to meditate. By the way, I left Thailand. I cannot meditate anymore. Must have been the silence. I live in New York City, so it's you know, hard to meditate in New York City. But during that year, what I learned is that uh, you have to come back to yourself again, and that's the end of it, and decide what you want to do and where you want to do. So the power is on you. When people come into my office and, and they start with the, ah, 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 I'm going back to yourself, power to, what's your message in that moment? So the power is always back to ourselves. Yes, there are million things in life that make our life difference, but the power is in ourselves. So I decided to join Accenture, why? First of all, because they have a very interesting gender approach. And I'll give you some statistics. By 2022, we want to have a 50-50 male to female uh, population. We are around 34% now. Last year, the hiring was 50-50. And the core conscious effort is to have parity of you know, gender, so if you have three guys, you have to have three girls. Vice versa, if you have three girls, you have to have three guys. So it isn't that we pick the girl because we want to pick the girl. We pick the girl because she, saw, she shows us she has the skill and wants that job and wants to make it happen. So that's, you know, if you have it from the top, it just permeates down. In the MD ranking, we are only 38%, so there is a little bit of work to do but you, bring, you, know, you have to bring the leader uh, from outside. The second thing why I joined Accenture is because um, I really love working with clients and disparate you know, clients and you know, help them in their journey to cloud. And more than journey to cloud is their journey to innovation and transformation. And the best day of my life is when I can see a client that moves from the old way to the new way and has the little bulb in their head and the future is the possibility. Because our enterprises are all under attack to each other and we, our job as whole, female, male, any gender, is to help the next generational company can get, give us the best leader, the best service and the most peaceful world we can provide to each other. Thank you for listening to me, and I want to pass um, the day up. You can find me on LinkedIn. There is only one Siki. <laughs> I mean, there are a few, but Siki in LinkedIn, there is only one. And try to go to school with a name like Siki. Uh, you build the courage yourself. <laughs> Thank you. everyone. I'm going to fast forward to get to my slides. I'm so excited to be on this panel and to come behind um, these wonderful executive ladies. Um, I'm Wanda Scott. I'm the Chief Learning Officer at Simple Technology Solutions, a small cloud-based um, company in Washington, D.C. Um, I'm just going to tell you just a little bit about me. IT and me. It was something that I never expected. Um, but it's birthed in me this thing called resilience. How many of you all think through what you've been through, adversity and challenge, that you're a little resilient? Yeah, I figured that. So you'll know what I'm talking about.
I've joined the, I've enjoyed the demand of IT. I've always been one who liked challenges. Um, I've always been one who liked uh, the discipline in the IT space, and it has made me who I am, which is a black woman in IT. I am multifaceted. I'm not just woman, I am black woman. And it has brought my experiences to be very different from other people. But um, what I've learned to do is reinvent myself. And I thought that that was cute because we're at reinvent, right? <laughs> So I want to encourage everyone, as you go through the space of IT, as you birth this thing called resilience, that you learn to reinvent yourself. Um, I've had to do it because I've fallen in and out of love with IT. Can anybody relate to that, falling in and out of love with IT? Yeah, so I started off um, on the networking side, server down, everybody going crazy, um, pressure, Mountain Dew, late nights, gummy bears. And so I was like, okay, I've had enough burnout. So, but I still loved IT, so I went and got my master's, and so I started teaching, which took me into a whole different realm. So I fell in love with that as well because I could see the lights going off in my students' eyes when they got it and when they fell in love with IT and when they became passionate like I was passionate in front of the room. And plus it was exciting to me because they weren't expecting to see this black woman come in the room and talk to them about Microsoft Server and talk to them about Cisco and then talk about my experiences. So it was just great. So um, after that, um, I've loved the lessons that I've learned in empowering people and talking about mentoring and making that change. So how many leaders do we have in the room? I figured there'd be quite a bit of leaders as well, especially since you're resilient. You can't be a leader and not be resilient, right? So leaders, one of the things I, I think that we could all benefit from is um, being adaptive and having a diversified mindset. And so I was like, okay, what does that really look like? So I found this guy, Ray Salea, and he has a great idea around adaptability. And he talks about three different kinds of adaptability. And I was like, okay, how can we use this as leaders to, to bring that diversified mindset into everything that we do? So he talks a little bit about EQ adaptability, and that's emotional intelligence. How many of you all heard about emotional intelligence? Now, I think emotional intelligence, and I'm not alone in this, is more important than all the book study that you can do. Because if you're gonna survive as a leader, you need both. I'm not saying you don't need book study, but if you're gonna deal with people, if you're gonna manage people, and if you're gonna get into this space of diversity, you have to have emotional intelligence. The second area that Ray talks about is cognitive agility. And we all hear about this. This is about being solution-focused and object-driven. And the third area is cultural fluency. Now this is going to hit home to what we're talking about here today. Cultural and behavioral insight. That means we kind of need to know about other ethnicities, other cultures, other races. We need to understand where they're coming from and what they bring to the table. So this leads us into the diversified mindset. How many of you all have met some very knowledgeable, um, people with great abilities and skill sets. How many of you all met a lot of tech people like that? Right. And sometimes when we don't practice a diversified mindset, we want to go to that person who we know has done a great job before. Oh, I'm going to pick Bill for the team because Bill has performed, Bill has the knowledge, we know he has the background, but that leads us to not be so open to somebody else who doesn't look like Bill. 
somebody with an individual uniqueness that can allow us to add value to our team with their knowledge, skills, and abilities. So that diversified mindset that I've had to grow to have as a leader, as a manager of people, has made me to be open-minded, not judging a person because they don't look like Bill, who I know is gonna do a great job, and it's allowed me to value the uniqueness that they bring to the table. How many of you think that you could bring uniqueness to the, the tech team, to the company, to the leadership? I, I think you can. And so how do we as leaders do that? I want you to get in your mind yourself as a leader, because you've raised your hand already. But I want you to think about other leaders in your company, okay? Does everybody have a leader in your mind? because we're not gonna talk about you today, we're gonna talk about another leader, okay? So get that leader in your mind, and we're gonna talk about how you can empower them to train their brain, all right? So everything we do is mental, and some of it is subconscious, some of it's conscious, and we unconsciously do things often. And so the first part of the brain I wanna talk about that we need to train or understand is the neocortex. Now we are, are geeks in this room, some of you might not be, but I am. That's why I love IT and keep coming back to it. But this is the logical part of the brain. This is the thinking part of the brain. It controls language, thought, and reasoning. And so we have to think about these uh, perceptions and behaviors and appeal to people's neocortex, okay? So the leader you talk to, you have to appeal to us nerdy people, logically and thought process, right? Then there's another area of the brain called the limbic system, all right? This is our emotional center. This is where we keep um, our subconscious thoughts about experiences that we formed with other cultures, other people, and if we don't understand that this is an unconscious thought process that we have, uh, we might not seek for new information and new relationships with other people. So as leaders, we have to kind of put ourselves into a position where we're around those other people so we can form new experiences with them. And so it won't be based on um, people we're used to being around growing up, our family, and we can understand and value their uniqueness. The third area of training the brain is the basal ganglia. And this is where um, our gut reaction comes from, right? Our instinctual center. And a lot of us respond that way. Remember the example I gave about Bill, where whoever that leader is in your mind, he might go say, okay, my instinct is somebody approaches Bill and says, um, who do you want on this new, new team that we're building, right? And Bill might, um, the leader might immediately say Bill because that's just instinct, that's the gut reaction because Bill has performed in the past. Well, what we have to do is understand that this information can be detrimental, okay? Because we're just going on instinct and we're not seeking that diversified mindset. So when I think about how I can do um, justice as a leader and with other leaders in the room, um, I, I said it's crucial in our diversity training that we understand that we can't change what the limbic system has stored, but through the neocortex, we can open up new experiences that will register new memories, change understanding so that new value judgments can be made to form positive experiences around cultures and different ethnicities. That is a mouthful. It is, but I mean, it, what we're trying to accomplish is a lot. So that statement had to be a lot. 
because we looked at the statistics that Teresa had, and I really hope you do go look at that lean-in survey. Because we have, if you look at this conference of 50,000 people, and how many females are here, how many minorities are here, we know that we have a monumental task to do. But we are more than able to do that. When we start having these conversations, when we look at diversity as a mindset, when we train, train our brain to think differently about situations, and really what it does is it, it adds opportunities for us to come together with people maybe we don't have past experiences with. So these are some notes from the field. When we as women go through the door, we change perceptions for those who are coming behind us. Um, because of my journey, I know that I bring value to the room because I'm different, I'm unique. So I'm excited about that and I want you to be excited about that as well. Um, I want us all to understand that we are powerful in our knowledge and competency and our performance and our ability speaks louder than our words. And the final thing, we have to understand our value. It comes with the positives and the negatives. We all, a lot of people raised their hand and said they were resilient. That comes through positives and negatives, okay? And, but that adds value when you don't submit to dysfunctional systems and unchecked behavior. So thank you for this time. I would love to connect with you more. Um, I'll be outside. And I want to throw this out there in my last six seconds. <laughs> um, I, there's a hashtag that I want to launch called Me Too Tech. And you've all heard of hashtag Me Too, right? Well, I want to take it to tech, Me Too Tech. And that's a, I want to use that to bring us together to share our experiences. And so women feel alone, the only that Teresa talked about, because we don't share. We're afraid to share. We're afraid how we'll be looked at if we share about what our experiences are. It's not to talk about somebody or to belittle anybody, but it's so we can come together and have like experiences that will empower each other to grow and keep going. So I love the courageousness. I love everything the other women have said. But remember, hashtag MeTooTech. Hi there. I'm Kim Bartow. I'm the Vice President of Entity Analytics at Novetta. Um, Nevada is a 900-person company outside of Washington, D.C. We specialize in very large-scale technology and analytic solutions that mostly power our national security. Um, we are an advanced consulting partner with AWS, and we have the government and machine learning competencies. I would say that um, I'd characterize Nevada's culture as one that prides itself in trying to solve our customers' toughest problems. And really, that all gets down to just keeping us safe. There's a lot of research. Teresa mentioned some from McKinsey. There's also some from Deloitte Australia and Forbes and Catalyst that all shows that diversity and inclusion drives better outcomes. Things like higher innovation, higher levels of innovation, longer-term retention. And we need all those things working for us if we're going to continue delivering at the levels that our customers have come to expect from their Nevada teams. So my experience and my career in technology is probably atypical, um, actually maybe more like Seeky's. So I went to a small liberal arts college in Pennsylvania and I majored in economics. When I graduated, I had to figure out what to do with an econ degree. So I saw an advertisement for a management analyst and it was, it was really vague. I had 
no idea what it was, so I couldn't rule out that maybe I was one. So I started doing that, and then I started leading teams doing that, and then I pivoted and started leading teams that were doing more and more technical work to the extent that I decided to go back and get a master's degree in information systems just so I could speak the language and understand it a little better. Ever since then, I've been leading teams and organizations that deliver very technical solutions to our mission partners in the federal law enforcement and IC spaces. When I think about diversity and inclusion, um, you know, I, I think a lot comes to mind and I think very broadly about it. Um, to me, it encompasses a lot of things. I think diversity in hiring is super important, but I think that only gets them in the door. I think it's inclusion that's gonna keep them there. And luckily, inclusion is what we can best affect as operational leaders in this space. So diversity and inclusion to me encompasses obviously race and gender, that's what we were talking a lot about, but I think it's broader than that. It's people's age and their physical abilities, their world perspectives, it's their, their life circumstances. A lot of people have different levels of commitment with their communities and their schools or family responsibilities. And uh, here's a spoiler alert, there's a really rich array of personalities in tech and they all have to come under the tent. And so, you know, we have introverts and extroverts, we've got veterans, we've got civilians, we've got people with very non-traditional backgrounds, educations, sometimes non-traditional work habits or senses of humor. Um, <laughs> we've got it all at Nevada. Um, and so really, I think there are a gazillion things that make us all different, and the goal shouldn't be to make us all feel the same. It should be to allow us to be different but still feel valued for what we bring to the table. Sometimes those are the differences that we're valued for. So I think, you know, as a leader, it's important for everybody actually to realize how we can enable that inclusion. And I think it's best enabled by realizing that all of us are sending little messages to the people around us in all of our actions and behaviors, every single one of us. And those Messages that we send either strengthen our connections or they create distance between us. And it's the big things and the little things. So a big thing, for instance, is, um, you know, how do we as an organization make big important decisions? Do we have a couple people that do that in a room by themselves, behind closed doors? Or do we purposefully and transparently reach into the organization and pull out other ideas and other inputs and allow that to shape where we go? Um, it's little things like, when we go to lunch, do we have the same click that we go with or person? Or do we mix it up and include a lot of different people? When we walk down the hallway, who do we stop and talk to, ask about their weekend? Who do we keep walking past? You know, my hope is that all of us can noodle through our own behaviors and realize that there's probably room for each of us to improve. And it's not because we're malicious or have ill intent, it's because it's super easy to fall into these life patterns that sometimes might send an inadvertent signal to someone else and make them feel not connected. Um, I think when you make people feel connected to you, they, they thrive. They, um, they are empowered in their work. They drive the results. And that's long-term what's going to make them stay at your organization. I think back to... Um, some of those behaviors that I would like to change. I know I have a now a new list of New Year's resolutions, um, and I hope that we can all do the same thing. I think if we're not being 
conscious of our behaviors and deliberate in our actions, then someone probably feels left out because it's super easy to do. Ask anybody who's actually raised a daughter in this world of social media. Has anyone else done that besides me? It's really brutal. Um, my youngest is a senior in high school, and we've had plenty of experiences where she feels really hurt because she feels left out of something. And you know, it's never on purpose, it's never intentional, but when I look into her face, look into her eyes, and I see that hurt, and as a mom, I feel it. Because it wasn't intentional, it doesn't change that. That nuance of intent doesn't make that hurt go away. Ultimately, everyone just wants to belong to something bigger than they are. And it's, it's the same is true at work. And when we help people feel like they belong and feel like they're included in something bigger and they're valued for their contributions, then you're gonna get all those benefits that the research promised. More innovation, longer term retention, higher levels of productivity. It's really good for everybody. So as leaders, I think it's important that we spend our time thinking about how to bring more people in rather than maneuvering to keep them out. Um, we're creating experiences for our teams, and those experiences matter. They drive our outcomes. So if I were going to give advice to a women, I would say, sorry, I think I just lost my mic. I would say, um, find a place where you can be authentic. I think that's helped me in my career. I think I've always been myself. I've not tried to impersonate the big brains sitting down in these rows here with me. Um, and I think that's unique. Um, and I think, you know, form relationships, form connections with other people, because those things will get you through some of the rough times. I think our role in those relationships as leaders is to look out for each other, promote each other, advocate for each other. Um, I, I think there's so much opportunity in technology that we can all be successful. There's not just one seat at the table. And I think that goes for women and men, and I've got both that work for me. Um, you know, we should all be supportive of each other and, and more inclusive. I think when I think about the women and men who work for me, one of the things that I hope is that they know deep down in their bones that I always have their back and that I'm always going to do everything I can to make them successful. And that only comes from the trust and inclusion that we've created in our relationship over the years. Um, the other piece of advice I'd give to women is um, to be more gentle on yourself. Um, none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. Um, but I think we tend to forgive other people with a little more grace than we show ourselves. Um, I think some of that's exacerbated by these feelings sometimes that you have to achieve some level of perfection to be successful in a male-dominated field. And it's just not true. Perfection is the enemy. And I think when you make perfection your goal, there's frankly only one way to go from there. And you're gonna mentally condition yourself for failure every time you fall short. It's bad for your psyche, gotta get over that. So I'd say know that you're gonna make mistakes, and when you do, own them. Own the repair, fix what you broke, but then allow yourself to gracefully move on. Um, technology, I think, brings us together in a lot of ways. Um, there are a lot of things that we can all do to kind of promote more inclusion. We can go to lunch more often with more people. We can talk to people in the hallways, get to know them, figure out what they do, how to bring them in. Um, 
when we are distributed, you know, make sure the people that are on the other end of the line feel connected and part of the meeting. Make sure they can see and make sure they can hear and then draw them into the discussion. Don't be that meeting where everyone startles at the end because they hear a little voice saying goodbye and then we all realize that we forgot they were there. It's terrible, so like, try to bring everyone in so they share that experience. And when it's your meeting, get your agenda or your talking points out there early and give people a chance to absorb them, think through their contributions so that they can offer those contributions when the meeting time comes. I'm an introvert, so I do better in my own headspace, but people who speak English as a second language, same thing. Give us time to process the information and bring better input to our meeting when the time comes. So overall, I hope the takeaways that I'll leave you with is that um, we have to be mindful of how we're making the people around us feel, and we need to make them feel like they belong and that they're part of something bigger, because they are. Um, and I think it will happen when we all kind of take ownership for the experiences that we're creating for our teams. So I'll close by saying that three years ago, almost to the day, um, I had the privilege of hearing FBI Director James Comey speak in a closed session. And it was just a few hours before the San Bernardino tragedy unfolded. And ironically, he was speaking about diversity and inclusion and tolerance and bias. And the one thing he said that has stuck with me since is that it's hard to hate up close. So I'd like us to all move a little closer and do a little better with inclusion. Thank you. Thank you all for being here today. Um, just a couple quick words. So um, first of all, uh, I think fantastic speakers, right? Um, and uh, Sasha Thompson, who leads our, our We Power Tech program, uh, has described diversity and inclusion as diversity is being invited to the party and inclusion is being asked to dance. And um, and I hope you all feel invited to dance, and uh, we hope you'll join us again uh, tomorrow at the um, We Power Tech uh, reception at 6 p.m., and also come to more of these sessions. Look throughout the, the list of uh, sessions going on here, and please join us for the We Power Tech sessions throughout the event. Thank you very much. Thank you.